Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. So thank you for listening today. It's a real pleasure to have you with us. And I'm going to move on uh, to my next guest, and she is Jennifer Catrulia. Uh, Jennifer is a partner at Citrin Cooperman and is considered a pioneer of the outsourced virtual CFO advisory and accounting services space. She's credited with helping hundreds of companies in all phases of growth implement best practices and position themselves for profitable and successful ROI at exit. And Jennifer is a nationally recognized strategic and operations advisor for high growth technology, service based, and healthcare companies who are committed to choosing to achieve results over making excuses. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me today. Well, Bill, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you do, uh, more about what you do at Citroen, Citroen Cooperman, easy for me to say. Uh, and, and, and tell us a little bit about you and your background, Jennifer. Absolutely. So I am a partner at Citroen Cooperman. I actually am a co-leader of our outsourced accounting and advisory group, uh, which is is rapidly growing and exciting, um, helping really businesses in the small and and mid-sized market um, replace in-house accounting positions or supplement their positions or fully outsource their accounting teams and also provide strategic advisory, technology consulting, exit strategy um, support, and a a range of other services. We're a top 25 firm in the country, so um, really have a a broad range of of capabilities from the small business up through enterprise side. I also um, get the the great opportunity to help lead our national business development efforts, so really working with businesses across the country and and, uh, love love helping them move toward, toward a great exit. Your your company's like a Swiss Army knife for uh, for businesses of all sizes. You do all kinds of things. Uh, you're a, and you're a CPA, right? But you focus on I am, helping yeah. companies as a chief operating officer or an operating partner, and or often as part of helping a company with their business development strategy. How did your career evolve, and and uh, that's led you down all of these different paths? Well, I, I come actually from a very entrepreneurial family, um, and so have have been a part of businesses being built from startup to, um, you know, multi-million dollar businesses, and and a, a, have shared the journey of businesses up through successful exit, but also the challenges. And I am, you know, really glad that that's given me a very versatile skill set. Um, and so helping companies scale, uh, definitely those who are venture capital or private equity funded and are, are really hitting the gas hard. Um, that's where I love coming in, helping with everything from the financial reporting and accounting to the, the operations and all of those things that start to crack um, and, and implode as you, you know, really put pressure on a company to, to grow and, and certainly move toward exit. Um, those are things that 
just experienced through it, you know, doing this dozens of times in, in my own life, but also with, with clients hundreds of times over the years, um, really has helped me find my, my sweet spot and, and what I love and, and super exciting. Yeah, it's uh, one day at a time, right? You, you've, you've learned these different uh, skill sets uh, as you've probably been called into them by clients and realized, hey, they they need more than um, just a, an accountant at this point. They need really uh, overall help. Um, what should a business owner or company do today, as many of our listeners are thinking about, if they know they want to build toward the optimal exit? Well, it's really important to start to focus on best practices across the company and really think about what you'd be doing if you were going to through due diligence now. So many companies will say, well, I have these few areas that are, are just kind of for culture or for company you know, morale or I've overspent on marketing or I've done these other things. But once you create the environment in your company, two things happen. If you're allowing leaks in any of the areas of your best practices, whether that's technology or client service or HR, any of the, the areas of the company, you aren't actually maximizing your ROI today or preparing to do that at exit. But also, um, living as if you were going through due diligence now, even if it's several years out, best positions you to, to be ready uh, both for the sales pitch and for that, that exit. It can be a big shift to turn if you're not um, building toward it over the years. Now, most business owners I know uh, think of that statement as like, well, what you're saying is kind of like pretend like I'm getting audited for taxes now. That's no fun. I don't want. I don't want to do that. I want to. I want to think about growing the business, all the fun stuff. You know, just moving forward and multiplying the size of the business. But what you're saying is critically important. That if you are thinking about selling your business in the future and you don't know when that buyer might come along, you, you need to be ready for that. And it's better to start getting ready now, and, and uh, you don't have to do it alone. You want to address that a little bit? I mean, a lot of people talk about creating a, like a data room or a data file. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about what that means, getting ready for that due diligence. Well, so really right from the start, uh, you know, or early on as, as reasonably possible, building that company that starts to acquire, accumulate the documentation, but also the best practices and the records going back several years and also the forecasts looking forward about how the business is going to continue to grow and be successful and attractive to a potential buyer, uh, really essentially creating your pitch deck that you continue to roll forward year over year that is ready for that opportunity that comes up. And again, is also kind of the scorecard for how the company is doing right now. Um, because one of the things I see all the time is that unexpected offer that comes up or a shift in the company where somebody needs out unexpectedly or wants out. Um, and and the company just isn't positioned to, to do that. Um, and certainly if they get that dream offer and, and due diligence begins, they lose it. And that can be so incredibly uh, disappointing. So I think, you know, always positioning as if you want to be ready for the opportunity when it strikes, um, I think is critically important. And so the data room and gathering records, having them easily accessible, uh, making sure that financial records especially are, are ready to go and, and be picked apart really <laughs> by a potential buyer, um, marketing information, et cetera, just doing an internal audit periodically to make sure you'd be ready to go, kind of a practice drill um, can, can really help. 
Great points. Thank you so much for that. I think that's very helpful for our listeners to hear. Here's one other thing I was wanted to get your opinion on. How important do you think it is for someone to work with someone like yourself and your firm to imagine and create a, a kind of desired wish list for what the offer should look like? In other words, a benchmark of here's what we're looking for exactly uh, and and then that way, when an offer comes in, they can either decide either this is close and and maybe it can be negotiated to a point of sale, or this is we should dismiss this right away and move on because we, we I see a lot of time wasted on on owners who get an offer and go down this rabbit hole and they and and there's some things that they they stop running their business correctly. Do you see that too? Absolutely. I think it's really important to um, consider the value of an outside advisor, certainly throughout the business. Those who are most successful generally will tell you that they have an outside coach or advisor or something like that. But I'll take that a step further in terms of, you know, exit planning is to kind of have a running valuation that's been calculated, you know, independently. And I'm, I'm using that informally because that's something, for example, we do with our clients is assess what that value is today, what the um, steps need to be in order to increase that value. It gives you a sense of where you stand in the market right now and the value of doing that outside of your company. Um, there are several positives. The first is um, you can be in such a vacuum within the company that even if you feel like you're active out in the marketplace, someone in our firm, um, for example, is working with a number of different clients in that space. We're actually seeing what's happening across the market. We're you know, heavily invested in the continuing education, just things that um, really can't happen easily if you're inside your own company. So we have a perspective that, that isn't really available inside. Secondly, um, as we move toward this, this exit point, we are going to be more objective usually than the company is going to be internally. So we, we offer kind of that balance of being able to, not the bad cop, but, but the support system to, to keep a company closely aligned with the goals they shared with us early on and to help set new ones um, and, and keep things on track. Uh, and, and really, it's a scalable partnership. We have, we have the team members that can come in and out of the company to participate as needed in whatever roles are needed um, so that the company doesn't have to overspend on positions that may need not need full-time. Um, but all of those things, again, just give perspectives, some freshness <laughs> throughout the, the scale and, and path to exit that a company has, has trouble retaining internally. Great points again. Uh, really taking inventory on a lot of different areas where where your realistic value is, not what the value you think it is, but what is a what is a financial model say it's worth, just so you know what the ballpark looks like. And then again, a big part of it is uh, you know what what are you going to be doing after you leave the business? Probably not working in the business very long, so you better start delegating a lot of your tasks early on and making sure the business runs without you. Great, great, great tips. Uh, what are you seeing company leaders do right now that you wish that you could change? Um, it's it's pullback, partially on what we were just talking about with getting that right outside advice. But um, especially over this last year, companies have, have, of course, been very concerned about conserving cash, cutting expenses. And um, I think once you've had the opportunity, and now over the last year, most companies need to have done this, make sure that you feel clear about whatever your path is forward and your strategy for moving forward. And then it's, it's time to accelerate again and really be pushing toward those goals because um, whatever fear you may have, you have a competitor or more who are you know, moving forward and accelerating and spending on 
the outside help or the marketing and advertising or the other things to push forward um, and have proven to be agile. So, so now is not the time to shrink back and be quiet. And especially if you have sales teams, for example, who are out on the streets and who then um, are either restricted from social media or don't have the skill set to work virtually, it, you know, there's a reasonable expectation that we're going to be in this hybrid model for a while. Um, so I just think companies may have um, pivoted in terms of their uh, their belief that they have to push forward, but execution, if that's not happening as well, it will really continue to hold them back. Excellent. Thank you so much. You know, uh, one of the, the topics that you talk about is key differences between acquisitions that succeed and those that fail, because a lot of uh, our listeners, too, are not only looking to be acquired, but they're also looking to acquire uh, as part of their growth strategy towards sale. Um, what are some of the uh, the problems that you see in in acquisitions that that cause them to fail the several months before the acquisition takes place before the transaction is done it's really important for the two for the companies to work together as if the transaction has already been completed um, even if there's I, I used to call it and still call it an acquisition incubator you know really um, looking at how the alignment is going to happen how the merger is going to happen um, and and moving forward with that in mind. So you work out the bugs in advance. And so just like any other, um, you know, dating relationship, you find out that it's really going to work in practice. And I also think being really clear about what ownership, um, current company ownership after the acquisition is going to be doing, if they are, for the, it's very common, of course, for the few years after the deal takes place, um, to have that, that continuity and to have those people in place, now are you going to be clear about all roles and responsibilities and benchmarks um, so that expectations are set up front and you're sure you're really rehearsing toward that point. And secondly is making sure that the right teams will be in place um, to support the scale um, post-acquisition because the friends and family you know, board of directors that you may have had, the internal team members who may be capped out based on the company's growth, um, you know, there needs to be a really an analysis done across the company to make sure it can function as a bigger company. Really good advice. I mean, uh, a lot of owners uh, think, well, we'll keep it a secret and we'll, you know, all at once we'll spring it on everybody. But it's it's really important that the cultures uh, the cultures mesh, right? I mean, that's that's a big um, that's a big point of contention for a lot of uh, mergers that, that that go wrong is that they just they should have looked more at cult of the people and not not so much at the numbers, perhaps. Do you concur exactly. with that? Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, when but... when you when you're out looking at companies and uh, one of the things that you you all do a lot is look look for profit and efficiency efficiency leaks and uh, dramatically improved performance. Is there a, a top three type of a list at, at things that you see regularly that you say you know here we go again it's uh we're, we're seeing this uh, profit and efficiency leak in the company uh, or, or is it is it just uh, all over the board um i would think i think that three come up very commonly the first is um leadership not realizing when they need more leadership support when they have have capped out of their current expertise and, and are kind of spinning their wheels and maybe spending money where it's, it's not best utilized because they, they themselves need additional coaching, need additional growth support, um, and aren't bringing in the right advice. Um, and part of that may relate to their accounting team, their HR, whatever the, the skill sets are in the company. Um, once they don't know anymore, it's important to, you know, the, the things about bringing in people who are smarter than you or have experiences you don't, you know, that that's incredibly important. The second I would say is under 
investing in technology and automation, and this, you know, how we've been doing it for years is okay. Um, well, you, you can end up spending a lot of money on, on human labor that, that isn't as efficient or as productive as technology, um, and, and re really not being able to get the real-time results you need. And the third is keeping wonderful people around too long, meaning that the company may outgrow them um, and it may need new skill sets either to raise up existing team members or to replace them. And that can be um, you know, very hard to, to stomach and to manage, but it's really important for the survival and success of the company. Um, and so planning ahead for that path out and how you can both be supportive of team members, but look at the, the growth and success of the company, um, that's something that should be addressed early on. Very good, thank you. Uh, and um, how we talked about you talked about uh, automation and technology. Uh, there are some companies that are saying, you know, we we've gone virtual because of COVID. Now we're going to stay virtual or maybe pursue a hybrid model. What are some technology considerations for companies that are going to do that, stay virtual or pursue a hybrid model? Well, I think a big one um, that is not specific to equipment, but is cybersecurity. So as everybody jumped home <laughs> um, and onto their own devices and, and everything else, that's something that for a short period of time, companies had to turn a little bit away from um, and just get home. But I think now over the span of time, you know, many people are working off of individual computers still and, and mobile devices, et cetera. And so there've been a lot of breakdowns there that, that leave a lot of vulnerabilities. Um, I think, you know, over time, it's going to be in terms of equipment upgrades and, and making sure everybody's on the same platforms and, and that they're working um, successfully. It's going to be a matter of looking at company policies about how things are, are upgraded and maintained and paid for. Um, and really from a training and standpoint, um, now that we are using Everybody hopped into meeting solutions and into, you know, staying connected, but whether it was virtual etiquette that hasn't been addressed or successful selling and social selling in a virtual environment, really taking an inventory of what the, the new world and new hybrid model at, um, will require and starting to check off those boxes. Um, if companies haven't done it, now is really the time to shore that up. Good point. Yeah, I think uh, for a lot of people, COVID has really been a catalyst to push us into the next phase of of communications and uh, and virtual uh, uh, running our business virtually. And again, um, if 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 you don't do it as a business owner, um, you're you're going to be sorry because others are doing it in a big way. It's just uh, incredible the the advances in technology. Uh, so let me ask you: you have something called an ROI Mastery Boot Camp. Uh, which starts uh, March 22nd in 2021. What's that all about? Tell, tell us how that works and, uh, and who should attend. Sure. So the ROI Mastery Bootcamp is really kind of the intro to we have an ROI Mastery uh, program and community. But the bootcamp is essentially a nine-day, so over two weeks, it's an hour a day. Um, we break down best practices in a growing company into nine areas, and we spend an hour a day together um, talking about the best practice areas. It's very interactive. We want to take questions. I have open office hours for people to jump into and attend. So really a, um, an extension of, of what we're talking about today is, is looking at each of the areas of a company and, and optimizing success in those areas. And we, we offer a scorecard and homework. And, and uh, so, but really the opportunity to, um, over a nine-day intensive period, give a company a chance to, to really look at all those areas and, and score themselves and see where there are needs for improvement. Um, and then through the ongoing program, if, if they choose to, certainly focus on those areas in the longer term and, and be part of a community. 
Well, here's something for our listeners. You're, you're offering uh, anybody who contacts you on LinkedIn or emails you at jcatrulia. I hope, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Am I, did I get that right or am I Absolutely. butchering it? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> J-K-A-T-R-U-L-Y-A. I like it because it's got truly right in the middle of it. J-K-A-T-R-U-L-Y-A at Citrin Cooperman, and that's C-I-T-R-I-N Cooper. M-A-N, Cooperman, uh, .com. If you uh, get in touch uh, with Jennifer there or find her on LinkedIn, you'll receive a complimentary ROI Mastery Best Practices ebook and an invitation to join their next ROI Mastery Bootcamp, which again starts March 22nd. Again, we're in 2021. So that, that's all great, and that sounds like a really, really good thing for somebody to do these days, to really start focusing on a lot of these points. Jennifer, you, you really brought it home today. You gave us a lot of great tips, and I really appreciate it, and I'm sure our listeners do too. Uh, and uh, if you are uh, wondering more about what the company does, go to their website, Citrin Cooperman, again, C-I-T-R-I-N, Cooperman.com, and find out more about what they do. They're, they have a lot of locations, but you're talking to one of their best people right now or you're listening to. That's Jennifer Catrulia. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure. Bill, you too. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 